Welcome back, listeners, to Radio Free South Bronx. My name is Desiree Joy Frias. The sample you just heard was from the band The Suffers out of Houston, Texas. Today, I sit down with their bassist, Adam Castaneda, to talk about how their music is seeking to change the way people look at their hometown and how music will free us all. There's a lot of parallels between the Bronx and Houston, and I'm happy to have a soul band, a Gulf Coast soul band, yeah. from Houston here uh, here in New York City. And it's good to meet you. And uh, yeah, if you could say your name and what band you're a part of and what, yeah. what instrument you play. <laughs> uh, my name is Adam Castaneda, and I'm the bass player for the Suffers. Great. And yeah, so the Bronx and Houston. Bronx has 1.4 million people. Houston has 2.3 million. Both really big healthcare centers and really racially and ethnically diverse. So I'm glad we're doing this today, though. Go Strohs. <laughs> <laughs> go Yankees. Go Yankees. So yeah, it's great to, to have you here. And you know, so my, the thing about the suffers in your music is that you call it Gulf Coast Soul, but soul is so accessible to people all over the country. And and what do you think about your music? It's just so, like, just draws people in no matter where they're from. Kind of like the Bronx, you know, like you said, Houston is like a melting pot. It's all these different people living right on top of each other. So, you know, we didn't realize exactly how special Houston was until we left it for long periods of time. You know, down there you can, you'll, you'll hear all these different styles of music. You know, you'll hear, like, UGK, like, you know, Southern Hip Hop. You'll hear a Selena song, and then you'll hear a George Strait song, and that's not unusual. But we found out that as we left, like that is really unusual in a yeah. lot of places. Yeah. But down there, it, it, it's all together, and in context, it makes sense. So we decided, you know, don't mess with that. Just it works for a reason. You know, those those those, those flavor combinations go together in a way that works. Like peanut butter and banana, or something. You know, <laughs> or corn and chili like it's just, it's just like a different thing so and that there there really isn't as a musician that grew up in that area there's no way for you to separate the selena from the george Strait inside of your musical identity yeah, not. There, and that's why we call i mean gulf coast soul was a term that was invented a long time ago by uh, barbara lynn but it, nobody else really did anything with it it was just a term but to us it means all of those music selena's music is soulful music to us absolutely UGK if you <laughs> is soulful music george Strait is yeah. You can't just say soul music and, and try to just narrow it down on saying, oh, it's only a part of the mid-60s soul town, soul music from Motown. And it's only of, a certain color, and it's only right. a certain race, and it's all, yeah, it absolutely. minimizes that whole idea of what soul is, and we said, no, soul is a much bigger thing, so it's kind of, we, we can do whatever we want with that, you know, and, and we do, so, and our city kind of inspires us, like, you can have all these different things, and it still works. That's, that's how we got to Gulf Coast Soul. Absolutely. And, you know, I think part about soul is, you know, soul and blues like and jazz, kind of like that raw music that not underproduced, but like just real music, raw music, like feeling music. And, and you know, you guys have produced an entire album of songs where each one feels like so real. And how, how do you keep that rawness, that Houston City vibe almost, you know, in while you continue to make so much music? Good question. I, think, I don't think we try to push it, though. I mean, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. Uh, maybe It comes naturally, like you yeah, said. Yeah, maybe the, the trick is to not think about that. <laughs> just don't question it. Just let it happen. I mean, we just, we're making music for ourselves and fans and stuff, so... We've never had this idea to be like 
a top 40 band or like when we started this band we were we wanted to do it was it's really weird to say it now but we wanted to do reggae covers of pop songs yeah so like Bobby Brown songs David Bowie songs and stuff like that do them as reggae covers David Bowie's Vacation to Jamaica kind of yeah <laughs> Joy Division songs things like that so like it was just because we liked reggae music and we liked pop music and we just played them yeah now we weren't trying to put out a record or anything we were just trying to have fun on a Saturday night you know so like I think that spirit of like Look, at the end of the day, this needs to be something that somebody wants to listen to. And we have to like it. And those things need to coexist somehow. So this is all we do. Yeah, and that's great. And uh, the Bronx and Houston are both very young cities yeah. in terms of average age. And your group is a pretty young group of artists. And, you know, as young artists, what advice do you guys have for young musicians that are trying to... <clears throat> produce art in a in an environment that doesn't always make it easy for them. Oh, yeah. That's a tough one because you have to know what you want. And that's a really... Like, do you just want to play a good song? I mean, you can do that in your bedroom if you want to and be totally happy doing that. Do you want to make a record? Cool, that's an easy thing to do these days. You can put a record out. Do you want to tour the U.S.? Okay. That's a different thing. You know, do you want to be on TV? That's a different thing. If you want to do those things, you need to put all the other things around it into the place where it, it, that can happen, you know? You can't bake a cake without turning on the oven. So, I think for a long time, we didn't want to be a touring band. You know, we wanted to play shows, like I said, to have a good time on a Saturday night. So, yeah. like, we booked shows all over Houston, so we played seven or eight times around Houston, you know, and that was fine. Yeah, and we, we, had, we had day jobs, so, like... It, it was okay, it was fun, but then at some point, our want and our wants were, okay, we want to tour the world, we want to be on TV and play our music, and we want to do you know, stuff like that, we want to make other types of music, and to do that, we had to change our entire lives, our comfortable lives with day jobs and wives and kids and health insurance and stuff. <laughs> and it, it's, it's it's not you know it, no, just, yeah, yeah no I mean like, I'm not laughing but it's like it's so real right like right. like being an artist I don't know why yeah you still have to live you still have to live your daily life you still have to take care of your family <laughs> especially in big cities like Houston and New York that are so there's so many people packed in so little space and it's super competitive and it's very expensive and you know I think it can be very intimidating to a lot of young artists, but a group like yours, right? When I, you know, when I first saw the Suffers on television, I kind of saw like my friends. You know what yeah. I mean? It was my friends on, you know, on Trevor Noah's show. Like, um, and no, I'm serious, and, and that means a lot. It means a lot to see people of color successful. It means yeah. a lot. Um, and you know, I'm thinking about like, wow, like if I had been younger, if I had been a kid. You know, see, watching TV in my living room at home and like seeing, all right, like they made it, I can make it too. Yeah, and there's like this weird stigma about age, especially in music. Maybe it's in other forms of art, I'm not sure. I'm, I think it's everywhere. Like, <laughs> I think it's in most fields. Like once you hit about 24, 25, you're like, oh, get it out of your system, just get a day job, get out of there, stop doing this. And we, we had day jobs, but like we never stopped playing shows. Like, yeah, we were, we've always, we've always. I'm 34 now. I'm about to be 35. I think the average age of our band is about 32, 33. And even 
even when we had three jobs, like, we just always played shows. Like, I played my first show when I was 17. I played my first road tour in the U.S. at 18. And even when I had a 50, 60 hour a week job, I just played shows every weekend because I loved doing it, you know? It wasn't like, I gotta be, a, I gotta make it as a musician. And it, yeah, and you had the money, you had the lights taken care of and right. the groceries taken care of. This was your passion, this was your love. And, so, you know, and I also like, I don't know what your background is. I'm assuming you're also Latino. Yeah, I'm Mexican. <laughs> okay, and uh, I don't know, as a Puerto Rican, like, there's this stigma in my family that, like, certain things, like, es no es trabajo. Like, yeah. construction, that's work. Right. Music, it's not, not work. work. And it's like, well, what if I get paid more doing music? Nope, still not work. Not work. No, that that's definitely true. And, I mean, that exists in a lot of cultures. It's like, you know, as we were getting older and stuff, and you, people had kids, or our friends had kids and had wives, bought houses and cars and stuff, and I was like, what are you doing? Still in a band, like you know, and it's, it's it's like it's almost like people look down on you, and it's like you got to get over that yourself, and you you got to just. But see, here's the thing, though, right? Because at the end of the day, your friend in Houston might have the Dodge Charger, but I haven't heard of them. Oh, you I mean, didn't. You didn't. That person yeah. didn't touch like a young girl in the Bronx watching Daily Show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at a certain point, maybe influencing people across the country that you've never met yeah. might be worse than the Dodge more than the Dodge Charger, depending, like you said, what you want. Yeah, exactly. Maybe if, if, if I, you know, I got a brother. He uh, he actually was in this band when we started. He played guitar and he quit a few months after we started just because it, this wasn't what he wanted to do. I mean, and he's he, I mean, he's proud of us. He's you know. You think it's pretty cool you can say he was in the band at some point, but like he's got three beautiful kids and a wife and he's got a job and a big old house in the suburb and he loves it and he's happy with his life and you know, and that's what I that like getting back to you have to know what you want out of life, you know, like I mean newsflash, you're not gonna quit your job, become a musician and all of a sudden you're Jay Z like with all this money. That's not gonna happen. No. You're gonna you're gonna struggle. Jay-Z put the hours in. Right, you're like gonna, a lot you of his are, songs are about how many hours you he had to put are in. Going to struggle and like a healthcare rent, like all those things, like those problems don't go away when you hop in a tour van. And though, so, now in terms of like the impact of your music and the, the reach of your music, yeah. you know, I really see you guys as your songs and your albums really tell stories. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of author in that way. And what what is the story that you? I don't know what how much of a role you have in the writing. But what is the story that you want to tell as a musician in the band? Well, we all we all write all the songs, so it's it's a really democratic process about how it it all goes down. My my whole goal with like art in general is to express a commonality between all people that can kind of transcend the ego, you know, like transcend the labels of like I'm this race, this gender in this city. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're separated from somebody who is that gender, that ethnicity in that city, you know. Like, there are things about the human experience that are very common and that are very... In, in a way, we can be united by the commonalities, you know? And I think there are so many things in the world, and I think we're kind of programmed from such a young age to separate ourselves into our own little boxes and say, I am this, instead of saying, we are this, you know? Yeah, no, and absolutely. So, like, like, one thing we do is a lot of our music is dance music or inspired by dance music, like reggae music, for example. I'm not from Jamaica, I'm not black, I'm not... <laughs> from anywhere there you know so I'm not a Rastafarian none of us are Rastafarians or right. anything like that but you grew up in Houston right and we you were listen to George Strait and Selena and you and realize that like you can go out and you can dance and okay dancing is like a thing that unites all people like music unites all people all people like music there isn't a race alive that on earth that doesn't like music doesn't like dancing they all have some form and of and people it. that don't like music when you're like oh a musical I don't listen to music I'm like I, 
don't do. trust you. <laughs> people in that way and just get in a room and just listen to sounds and it can transcend language. No, I think about salsa in the Bronx or even Selena. You were listening to Selena in Houston, Texas. Right. And I was listening to Selena in the South Bronx. And we were listening to the same music, the right. same artists across the country. Right. And like we have now, you and I, without ever having met before, we have a shared experience through that music. Exactly. Um, and it absolutely creates a basis for people that people don't tap into. They're right. so quick to divide before looking at what they have in common. Right. And like, so what you'll notice in our show is like we rep Houston super hard. Like Houston is our home and, and we let everybody know it. I'm the same way with the Bronx. Like right. people want to insult the Bronx. People want to tell me I can't, I can't call the Bronx my hometown because it's a borough. I'm like, shut up, Susan. Go back to your mall in the suburbs. Like, people insulting the Bronx on Twitter have never lived there. And I'm like, come, come visit. I'll take you out to eat. I'll and, buy you dinner. Like, right. And it's not like it's not like we're like trying to bash anybody's where they're from. It's just like, hey, you know what? My town's pretty cool, too. And here's the thing. The Bronx and Houston have been both marginalized in terms of media and, you know, news coverage. Yeah. Oh, every, all the crime happens in Houston. All the crime happens in the Bronx. Nothing but right. bad people living there. And it's like, no, excuse me. Hip-hop was invented in the Bronx, you know? Right. Salsa comes from the Bronx. Like, we're a home of art and culture and, like, people of value. Right. And just having to say that now, and it's the same with Houston and you guys. Totally, totally. So we've been, we've been overlooked for so. I mean, we tell people all the time, like we're the fourth largest city in the U.S. And I think when this next census comes out, we're probably going to be third. And people, we tell people that all the time. And they're like, really? So, yes, we're enormous. Like, you don't. I mean, you guys are you're from New York City, so it's a little bit different. But like, we're a way bigger city, and we just get overlooked all the time. They're like, well, Austin's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, it is. But I'm not from Austin. I'm from Houston. There's that show called Dallas. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was. <laughs> Like, no, excuse me, have you heard of the sufferers from Houston? Like, they're here rapping too, and you can right. listen to them. We were talking about commonalities in terms of music, yeah. and I think that a lot of your songs just kind of tap into emotions or situations that are so common, like the personal touches. So, guys, in Midtown, you reference a local bar yeah. called Leon's, right? Yeah. And you say, um, there's this line, in the first few sentences of Midtown set the scene. And it says, the bar on McGallan we used to love with deep red paint walls while white frames on glass. And it's like, when you say those kinds of things, I can see it. I'm at that bar. I'm right. thinking of my bar here at You Bowl. know a bar that looks kind of like that, huh? Yeah, exactly. And I think that your personal touches really do help what you were saying in terms of repping Houston and, and talking about the real experience you live there. Right, right. Not the one that people think they know. People think we have cows and horses and tumbleweeds everywhere. It's like, no. <laughs> a lot of these songs, like, I want to hear the end of the story. Like, you know... In uh, in good day, was it a good day at the end of the day? Like, yeah. she says she thinks it's gonna be a good day, but like, is it did it end up being a good yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that one was a good day. <laughs> and you know, all these relationship songs, like, make some room. Uh, yeah. You know, stay. Like, I want to find out what happens to the characters. Uh, yeah. And uh, do you do you kind of are these like invented characters? Are these well, are these real stories from your your people in your in your band? So yeah. So Cam writes most of the lyrics, and most of them are about her experience. So she's usually a character within that. So I don't, I don't, at least I don't think she does. I don't think she's invented a character. I could be wrong. Maybe on the new record, but I don't think she's invented too many characters. Yeah. But yeah, no, those are, uh, 
both come from real experiences, you know, and I think that's, she's a really good writer, so I mean, she can really say it plainly in a way that most people can relate, you know, like, like you said, like, talking about Leon's Lounge, like, that's a bar anybody has, you know, like, everybody's got a bar like that, you know? Yeah, and I think that when you write from experience, um, you know, we were talking about soul and how it touches everyone. Right. People think of time where they wanted someone to stay. People think of the time where, you know, yeah. the guy was interested in someone else. And that is so real. It's so lived. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, that music has that ability to transcend, like, location and age and anything. It, it, it's one of those unifying things that binds the universe together. And so you're talking about uplifting uplifting Houston, uplifting the Bronx, and representing. Yeah. And, and what can we do? Like, you're a musician, and I guess I'm now technically an artist. Are you an artist? <laughs> so how can we encourage young people to keep producing art and to not abandon it in the face of, like you said, family pressure, social pressure? I think there's two different ways. And they, they, they might seem contradictory, but I don't think they are. One, artists need to get paid. People need to pay for art. Now, I understand that Spotify and streaming music is one thing, and I don't think that we're going to be able to change that. That's just the way music is these days. But you have to go out to shows. You have to buy a t-shirt, buy a ticket. You know, you, you have to engage the artist somehow so that they can continue. That's no, and same thing with painting and art and, and anything like that. You have to pay for it. None of this, none of this paid and exposure stuff that's going on. That's gotta, that's gotta go away. So, I mean, your listeners can like be mindful of: Are you paying for this art in some way? Like, are you, if you're supporting them, like emotionally, you know, wanting them to succeed, are you also financially supporting these people in any way you can? The second is art doesn't have to be done for profit, and I, and I mean, I'm, I'm directing that more at the art, the producers. Yeah. If you love making music, make music. Don't worry so much about like, well, this needs to be my job. I need to figure out how to get paid from this. Maybe you can be in a situation where that works, but maybe you can't. That doesn't mean you stop making art. Or if your life situation is like, I can't tour the world. I have kids. I have all this other stuff. I, I can't leave, you know. Play places in your hometown. Exactly. There are ways to get it done, and you don't have to think, well, I, you know, I'm not going to get a record deal, and no one's going to be there, or whatever. It's like, that doesn't matter. Just play the songs because you like to do it and if there's no venues in your in your town like open up your house open up your backyard like you know make play on the corner <laughs> play on the corner no i'm serious it's and, real yeah you know and it really does make the community a better place it does when artists share their art with their community because you never know like if you write something or, or say something that is going to touch someone in such a profound way it all does when we started the suffer i had a 60 hour a week job but i was also in in four bands at the time. I, I was in a Latino ska band. I was in like a country folk reggae band. I was in a hip hop band. And then I was in the Suffers. And I remember the year that we started the Suffers, I played about 150 shows. This is while I had a job. And I, I haven't had... done 150 anything this year. So like... I haven't even done 150 push-ups. I, I found one in my notebook like where I, where I was keeping all my dates se like separated where I, where I was going. I made most of those gigs I make, made 20 bucks. You know, because I had a day job, I, didn't, I wasn't making it to make money. I was making it because I wanted to play music and it was like that for the first few years of the suffers and then finally we got we got our I guess a big break uh, somebody said hey they're doing CMJ music marathon in New York City you guys want to go play it and we're like sure so we took vacation time from work flew up to New York City played like nine shows in three days 
and came home and then somebody called us and they said, hey, do you want to be on the Letterman show? And we were like, uh, can't yeah. say no. <laughs> can't say no. But then we also knew that once we did that, we couldn't just go back to our cubicles. Well, that was the moment, right? That was so the you moment. could say no. That was the moment that you, you that was the chance right. you had. Do you want to stay in your old life or do you want to play for the, for the entire country? Right. And we knew we, we, we could just go play Letterman and then go back to our day jobs. No, no, no. We have to, okay, at that point, we didn't have a record out. We had an EP out. Yeah. Um, or I think we only had singles out. I don't even think we had the EP. Yeah, the single with the girl's face on it. I, yeah. Yeah. I've, obviously, I, I can't remember the name, but... Uh, it was a Slow It Down single. Slow It Down single. Yeah. Um, with, like, a beautiful artsy, like, yeah. profile. Yeah. And so we so we had to... Did you even have, like, a band website or, like, a, like a marketing think... presence no. or a media no. presence? No. Or... We, we didn't have a... Yeah, I remember we had to get an agent. All these or, things. No, that... we had to get a publicist because uh, when the Letterman show called us up, they are like, okay, well, have us, like, hook us up with your, your publicist. And we're like, we don't have a publicist like and i mean i have no problem being transparent uh i don't know how did you get in touch with shoshi our, our publicist to do this or just i tweeted just you tweet? that works. today i tweeted honestly Perfect. so here's the thing i'm like i'm less overwhelmed now but like i said we started two months ago yeah we have 500 listens in total i tweeted you guys on friday i yeah. tweeted well, like one of the lines from good uh, so but- i tweeted it you guys responded yeah. And said you were playing today. And then I just said, I'd love to go to the show. And also, do you guys have any time for an interview? And you said yes. Yeah. And I've been, honestly, like, you should see my phone, like, telling everybody and their mother. Awesome. Like, you know, like, That's and awesome. it's kind of like, I don't have a publicist. I don't have an agent. I yeah. don't, my media, my media marketer is me. Like, right. I do all this by myself. And like you, at the same time, before Letterman, you had... No, nothing that people say. You have to have all this in place right. before your big break will come. If you don't do marketing, if you don't have a publicist, if you don't get an agent, you know, you'll never book any shows. Right. And like you said, that's not that's not the reality. Not true. If you, you do, do what you love, people will notice. When we showed up to play Letterman, I remember we pulled up, you have to pull in like at 7, or well, he's not on the air anymore, but like we had to pull in at like 7 a.m. to load in, and then you film at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, so when we pulled in, we pulled in in a van, and like a whole long block of New York, of Manhattan was coned off. So we pull in, and they're like, uh, where's the band? And we were Deliveries like... Deliveries round back. And yeah, they were like, we were like, we are the band. And they're like, oh, we thought you were the crew. And they're like, hey, well, where's the tour bus and bands and all this stuff? And we are like, we're just in a van. They had it off because the bands that normally played Letterman had like trailers and tour buses and all this sort of stuff and crew. And we just showed up and just like, our our stuff wasn't even in cases. It was just like, like it was like a yard sale. Just like throw it on the stage. We had no idea like. With the Gaha, like it's just, yeah. you're carrying your own stuff. Right. And they're like, you can put it over there, you know, roadie. And you're like, hi, I'm the bassist for the band right. that's playing. So now we know that like when we, when we tour the U.S., we have to have like a stage plot and an input list. We have a sound person that does all this wiring. We, we talk to him weeks ahead of time about well, how to do things. But back then, we just showed up and played. And it, it was, it was by the time we got to the Trevor Noah, we had already done it a few times. So we, we kind of had it nailed down. But even on Letterman, I don't, you guys pulled it off, right? Yeah, totally. Because I did not know that until you just told me, so, right? So there, there's, there's you looked professional. You looked fine. <laughs> pulled together. Like this, so we all, we all had a collective like blackout for that show. None of us remember what happened. We remember walking out to the stage and we remember walking off the stage but anything in that like three minute time frame no memory no memory at all <laughs> just autopilot autopilot oh, just autopilot so yeah uh, you don't you don't have to 
I mean, we barely signed to a small label about a month, and we've been a band now for seven years. Put out a record, put out an EP, a couple of singles, played music the videos. Tiny Desk. You played Tiny Desk. You toured. We've like my nerd. That's nerd heaven. We've toured five continents without a label. Like, and it, there's nobody telling us what to do or how to do it. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. We're just because we love playing music in front of people. We'll figure out a way. Sometimes you got to call 30 people to get it done. Sometimes you just got to show up and you know, move some amplifiers yourself. But you know. You know, if, if just uh, not to get back to our, the the question, like if you love making art, just make art. Don't you don't have to break into? I have that here. You don't have to break into mainstream music. You, you don't. don't have to impress mainstream producers and labels. That's that shouldn't be your goal. Like no. Like like there's people like who think that that's the end. Once I once I impress a producer, I've made it. No. And it's just. Then you're, you've missed the point of it. Right. You've missed the point of art. You know? And that's and get I, back to so what do you want to do? Do you want to make music or do you want to impress a producer? Yeah. You can impress a producer a whole lot of ways, and, but is that what you want to do or do you want to make music? you want to play a song? And I think about, too, like lasting art, like Michelangelo, Da Vinci, you know, Van Gogh. People who at the time, everyone thought they were crazy. Right. And Van Gogh may have actually been a little crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but those are the artists that have lasted and have continued to influence people hundreds and hundreds of years after they were alive. Timeless. Yeah. Just, just, you know, they have a body of work that they can, you know, look back and people respect them for a body of work, not because they impressed one person, you know. Exactly. And so... Just make the best art you can make, you know, and make it for make it for the reasons you want to make it, you know. All right, and just to wrap it up, when yeah. I when I go to Houston, yeah, where should I eat? Oh God, <laughs> Rep Houston, tell me where I should eat. Your favorite meal. When you go back home, you've been touring across the country. What's your first stop? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out here because <laughs> do it, do it. There's a little taco spot down the street. I, li- I live in the barrio. It's called Second Ward. So I, I live in Second Ward, which is like all the Mexicans live out there. <laughs> And, um, Latinos, we like to cluster. Yeah. All right? See, yeah. Here's the thing. One person comes, then the cousins come. Right. Then it's just, that's yeah. just how it works. <laughs> and, yeah, and then people have been there for generations. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little spot. It's called Gita's. And it is so small and so ghetto. It's not even on Yelp. And it's not even, I think on Google Maps it calls it something else. It's like a little shack. You got to go there. And they make these tortas that are so amazing. And it's an abuela in the back. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the best. And, it's really hard to find. I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know much about the Bronx food, but it, across the U.S., it's really hard to find good Mexican food outside of like parts of the South. So, uh, well, I have a little abuelita yeah. that may or may not. I don't want to incriminate her. May or may not been, be selling hot food oh. out of a deli, <laughs> and that may or may not be the best carnitas. And, yeah. like, she'll feed it to you. She'll be like, oh, you're new here. And she just, like, pulls out the spoon and a napkin, like, right. gives you a piece of meat and makes you eat it in front of her. And then awesome. she's toasting the tortillas. Like, That's, that's, that's it. And so, yeah, so, so Gita's, I love, I love Gita's. Uh, we also have a huge Vietnamese population. Yes. I'm told it's the biggest outside of Vietnam. There's amazing Vietnamese food all over the place. Pho Bin is probably my favorite. We also have a new place that just opened up, a place called Soche. 
and they serve, they just opened and they serve bugs. Like, like ground cricket flour yeah, and they from, turn like, in, that's, that's apparently what we're eating in the future, so I gotta yeah. get on board. It's, it's, it's really good, actually. Uh, I've heard it tastes exactly the same and like you can make bread out of cricket flour and... Yeah, I've had it, it's pretty good. I just, I just live in New York City, so like the only bugs we have are roaches and like I don't... <laughs> Yeah, and there's also, uh, we have Vietnamese sandwiches. Uh, yes, banh mi. We have a place called We Banh Mi that's fantastic. They so make good. The best banh mi sandwiches. Then we got barbecue, of course. Uh, Killen's barbecue is amazing. Uh, I'm probably going to leave out a friend's restaurant that I, they're going to kill me when they hear this. Uh, but no, I mean, Houston just has so much good food. I and go it ties home. back to that diversity, right? Exactly. You can, you know, in a, in a week-long trip, you can eat Mexican, Vietnamese, you can travel the world. Through right. food and through music, you can go to concerts with bands from all different genres, and I think that life is just better that way. And when when people want to close themselves off, when people want to only involve themselves in their people, I get very sad because they're missing right. out. You know, all these neo Nazis like that's sad. You're missing out so much. Right. And, <laughs> and you can you, know, you can like out of your culture without being like putting other people down. Like you don't oh, have yeah. to do that. And that's what, that's like these new nuts, I don't, I don't get it, like you don't have to hate another culture, and, and that doesn't mean you don't love your own, like it just like, you know, so like, sometimes I'm like, I love Mexican food, I am Mexican, I, I have But you're going to go out for fun. You're I'm going to go, go out for fun. fun. I love, like, like, it's like, yeah, you guys should be proud of this stuff too, because you guys did a really good, you ate some really good great. food too. You know, I love it. So like, um, another big thing is crawfish, which is like a, a Cajun food. I've heard, so, I've heard with the, with the newspaper. Yeah, you can newspaper on the table. On the table. So that's huge out there too. So and it's like, just because I love Mexican food doesn't mean I'm hating on crawfish. I love crawfish. Like I would eat pound after pound of crawfish. And so yeah, I mean, and it's, food, it's, music, culture—it just brings us together. And just we should just let it. You I know? think most of the good musics in the world have have come from cultures that also celebrated food. Yeah. I, I think that's. I think I think those go hand in hand. I have no musicological evidence of this, but it's just a feeling I have that all all good musical cultures have really good food and I've honestly I've, I've never found a culture that had bad yeah no I'm, I'm with you I'm totally with you well it was a pleasure talking to you Adam and I can't I can't wait to visit Houston I can't wait to have you guys come up to the Bronx on your next trip Hell yeah. and uh, I'll show you all the good food up there cool this was so cool thank you so much I'm not here for exposure I came to have a good time So let me shine It ain't gotta be a weekend To find that joy that you're seeking So treat yourself to something more And you'll be fine Do whatever feels right All night, all right, all night Do whatever feels right All night, all right, all right Do whatever feels right All night Taking time to yourself is like a chore But I'm running out of change I'm running pieces, my pain I got a feeling that I will be fine Whatever
together. 